Well, good morning. I'm glad that you guys are here this morning and you chose to not sleep in uh, like you could have done, like I almost did this morning. But you decided to come to church and, like Chad said, start your new year off right and in a good way. And so, Happy New Year. I mean, it's restarting. The year 2023 is here, and I'm excited to be able to start this year off with you. And if you don't know who I am, my name is Bo Hamilton. Um, I've been going here. I say I've been going here. This has been my home church since I was in about fourth or fifth grade. I came here, started playing upward basketball, uh, then joined the church, and then somewhere in high school, I got my call to ministry. I followed that call to Southern Nazarene University. Um, and right now I'm a senior at Southern Nazarene University getting ready to start my final year or my final semester of school. And so I'm very excited about that and I'm excited again to be here with you this morning. <clears throat> and so to start this morning, I know that we're all probably a little tired and so I thought we would start with some really good scripture, some scripture that really kind of gets you pumped up for what's to come, uh, not only for the new year but for what's to come later on. And so our scripture this morning comes from the book of Revelation. I know, already you're kind of like, ooh. I don't know. But the book of Revelation is where our scripture comes from, but luckily it's towards the end of Revelation, kind of the, the fun part of it. Uh, chapter 21, verses 1 through 6 is what we're going to read today. And a little bit of context to what the book of Revelation is and why it's kind of a ugh, kind of book. Uh, the first part of Revelation, most of Revelation, is kind of this scary book. Uh, a lot of stuff happens to the world. There's a lot of destruction, a lot of war, a lot of famine, a lot of this stuff that we really want to start on New Year, New Year off with, right? There's a lot of bad stuff that goes on in the book of Revelation. But then chapters 1 through 19 is that. But then we get into chapter 20. And chapter 20 is kind of a cool chapter because they talk about how there's this war that's been going on, you know, Satan and his angels versus God and his angels on earth and in heaven, and all this stuff is happening. And then in chapter 20, we, we read that the devil has been defeated, Satan has been defeated, we find victory through Christ, and I mean, it is some good stuff. And then chapter 21 comes, and we're going to read verses 1 through 6. And so if you want, I invite you to turn with me to Revelation 21, uh, chapter, or verses 1 through six, so hear the word of the Lord this morning. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, "See, the home of God is among mortals." He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. He also said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and they are true. And then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we all say together, thanks be to God. Wow. I mean, what a scripture to start your new year off with, right? Hearing about what is to come in this new age, and, and doesn't it sound pretty good? 
No more crying, no more tears, no more death, no more pain. Only good stuff is to come for us. And, and I feel like today is the day to talk about new stuff because it's the day that we all find New Year's resolutions. And we all make these New Year's resolutions, whatever they are, they're new habits that we want to put in our life, you know, to, to work out more, to eat better, to read more, all of the above for me. Like, we want to start these new things in our life. And to be able to start something new, to start new habits, sometimes we have to let go of old ones. We have to let go of old habits and replace them with new things because we can't stack new stuff on top of old stuff and expect it to work out how we want. And so for me, my New Year's resolution was to, yeah, it's already kind of sad. My New Year's resolution was to not hit the snooze button and to get up when I wanted. And this morning, it did not go well. Uh, you know, I was, I was up till 1 a.m., it was New Year's, all that stuff. And I said, no, I can still do it. So I set my alarm for 8 o'clock. I wake up at 8, I turn it off. I wake up at 8.30, I turn it off. I wake up at 9, I turn it off. And then I wake up at 9.05 and I get up and I barely make it here this morning. But... So we'll see how tomorrow goes. Maybe I can do it. We'll see. But, you know, January 2nd, that's what they always say. That's when you start. But so we all like to start these New Year's resolutions in our life, but they're always so hard to maintain. And it's because of that. You know, I need to stop setting 20 alarms because when I set 20 alarms, of course, I'm going to snooze 19 of them. And so I have to let go of the bad habits, the bad habit of setting all those alarms, turning them all on, snoozing them. I have to get rid of those in order to bring in room for the new habit, which is to get up on time. And I think that is what we struggle with a lot. And I also think that's one of the reasons that the book of Revelation can be so scary, because it's all about God replacing the old with the new. He doesn't stack on the new heaven and new earth on top of the old heaven and the old earth, but he says, look, I got to get rid of it. It's going to pass away so that there's room for the new to come in and fully be what he wants it to be. You know, we, we sit here and we make these New Year's resolutions that doesn't last, but God's making a resolution with us today that'll last for eternity. And not only for himself, we do these New Year's resolutions a lot for ourselves. But God's not only doing it for himself, but he's doing it for us. He's, he's doing it so that we have a new heaven and we have a new earth, a new place to be able to come and to be his people. That scripture says that he will be with us. You know, we just got out of the Christmas season, and one of the words that we use, uh, you know, Jesus' name is Emmanuel, God with us. And that's what God's saying here. He's saying, I will be with you, God himself with us here in the new heaven and the new earth. But in order to bring that, he has to let the old pass away so that the new can come in. And how good does that new sound? No death, no mourning, no crying, none of the things of this world that we don't want, right? All the bad things will pass away with the old and the new will come in. The war and the famine, senseless shootings and violence are gone. Racism and sexism and all forms of discrimination, they're gone because God is making all things new. I mean, doesn't that sound like good news today? And it kind of sounds like something maybe we could use today, right? Like, yeah, God talks about that in Revelation, and, and who knows when that'll come, and when it does, that'll be a good day. But don't these sound like things that would be good to have today and to do today in a world to live in today? And I think maybe 
that's what God wants for us. Maybe God doesn't want us to wait around for him to do something later when he has empowered us and called us to do something now in our lives. And even Jesus says this. You know, in the book of Matthew, in, in uh, chapter 21, verses 31 through 46, Jesus, he tells, he tells his disciples, well, really the book, uh, the chapter 25, tells a couple of parables, and we'll talk about one of those in a little bit. But the end of this chapter he tells the disciples what's going to happen. And so Matthew 25, 31 through 46, we read this. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people from, another, from one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he'll put the sheep at his right hand, and he'll put the goats at his left Then the king will say to those at his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer them, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and we visited you? And the king will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did it to the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it to me. And then he will say to those at his left hand, sorry for all you people who decided to sit on, the, on my left side of the auditorium this morning, but he will say to those on his left, you who are accursed, sorry, depart from me into eternal fire prepared by the devil and his angels. That, you guys should have sat over there. I, I told my family to sit over there for a reason. But... For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. I was naked, and you did not give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. And they will also answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and we didn't take care of you? And he will answer them, truly, I tell you, just as you did did not do it to the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So Jesus here, he says, look, like I'm challenging you to to do what I've called you to do. He challenges us to feed the hungry, to give water to the thirsty, to welcome the stranger, to clothe the naked, and to visit the sick and the prisoner. And, And it's not just that list of people that we're supposed to minister to. What he's saying is, look, there's people in our life, there's people in our world that have been marginalized, people that have been set aside, casted out, people that have been treated unfairly, and those are the people that Jesus chose to minister to most. The people that everyone else hated is the people that Jesus cared for most. And isn't that kind of what we see in Revelation? We see God taking the tears away from our eyes. We see God causing, or taking the pain away from the world. And that's what Jesus calls us to do here. He calls us to take the pain away, the tears away from those who have been marginalized, those who have been set aside, casted out from the world. And Jesus doesn't only call us to this kind of life, but he models it for us. Jesus' life is a model of a life of serving and caring for others. The poor, the marginalized, 
the orphan, the widow, the degraded, the people that have been treated unfairly and treated poorly in our life. Those are the people that we are called to minister to today. And those are the people that God shows us that he cares for in the book of Revelation. So why don't we live this life now? I mean, we are called to expectantly await, right? We are called to await what God will do in the future. We just got out of this season of Advent, this season that is a season of waiting. We're waiting for, for uh, Jesus to come to the world. We're waiting for what Jesus will do. And I think the season of Advent is so important, and waiting is so important. But I think sometimes we like to passively wait. We like to kick back on the couch and eat some potato chips and wait for God to move later. But I think God calls us to actively wait. We are called to wait for what God will do in the future. But I think sometimes we get so caught up with waiting for God to move later that we forget that Jesus showed us what this new age could look like today. And he didn't only show it to us, but he brought it to us. He sat it at our door. He sat it at our feet and said, Man, this is it. He has empowered us through the Holy Spirit to participate in this new age to come today. He's equipped us. He has empowered us to participate in that today. We can be glimpses for others. We can be windows for other people to see this new age to come in our world right now. We can show people around us what a loving world without pain, without crying, without mourning, without death can look like. When we live like Jesus lived, we show this kind of world. We are windows into that new age that God is bringing. And what we're talking about today is this big word, this scary word that we associate with Revelation called eschatology right? And that is the study of death and the study of final destination and final judgment. Like, that is what we're talking about today in a lot of ways. And I think eschatology gets this bad rap, again, as something scary, right? Something that's going to come when, when Jesus comes back. Something that only the book of Revelation talks about, right? Something that we kind of hold on or that we wait on uh, for, you know, eschatology comes when Jesus, when Jesus comes back, and when the new heaven and the new earth come. But today, I want to maybe talk about eschatology in a new way. Maybe in a way you've never heard before, and really in a way that's better than, than, that, than that way that we've heard about before. Because um, what I want to talk about is maybe as Christians, maybe as followers of Christ today, not later, but right now, our lives are an eschatological life. We live in an eschatological life right now. And it's because we're caught in between two worlds, right? We read about this world in the book of Matthew, in the book of Revelation. We read about this world where we're called to feed the hungry and we're called to give water to the thirsty and welcome the stranger and clothe the naked and visit the sick and visit the imprisoned. We're called to live in a world with no death and no mourning and no tears. So that's the, that's the vision that God gives us. Right? And Jesus has brought it to us today. But let's be realistic. We also live in a world full of sin and full of death and full of despair and full of evil. Like we live in that. We live in that world currently and we're called to live in this new world. We live in two coexisting worlds. We live in one of sin and the other of grace. We live in a world of the flesh 
but we also live in a world of the Spirit. And it's a weird line to walk sometimes, right? Like it's a weird place to be, but there's good that can come out of walking that line, and there's good that can come out of being in these two coexisting worlds. The good thing is, is what we read in Revelation, and it's what we read in Matthew. Jesus has invited us to participate in it today, to participate in the good thing to come today. He wants us to be able to enjoy the renewal of creation that God is bringing in the book of Revelation, but he doesn't want us to wait to enjoy it later. He wants us to enjoy it right now in our lives. He wants us to enjoy this new heaven right now by bringing it to where we are today in our lives. I mean, we, like I said, we can be windows into this new age to come, not only for ourselves to live, but for others to see. We can feed the hungry and give drink to the thirsty. We can welcome the stranger. We can clothe the naked. We can visit the sick and imprisoned. And these are just some of the ways Jesus gives us, some of the ways that Jesus calls us to bring this new age to our world today. Jesus has given us what we need to do what he has called us to today. And and in that chapter 25 of the book of Matthew, kind of right before um, what we read, you know, uh, Jesus' calling to feed the hungry and to, to give drink to the thirsty, right before that, Jesus tells this parable that really kind of explains what he means there. He tells this parable right before, and it's a parable of the talents. And talents is another word for money. Back then, it was a lot of money back then. And so he tells this parable of a manager. This manager comes to three of his employees. He says, look, I'm going away for a while. But before I do, I'm going to give you guys some money to take care of and, you know, to do whatever you want to do with it while I'm gone. So to the first, he gives five talents. To the second, he gives two talents. And to the third, he gives one talent. And then he goes away. And then he comes back. And he says, all right. What'd you do with what I gave you? Like, what'd you do with the money? And the guy with five says, look, Jesus, or not Jesus, he's talking to his manager. Look, manager, I, I, here's your five, and I brought five more. He says, good job. Like, you did good. He says, what about you, second guy? Here's two, and I brought two more. Awesome. And he says, what about you, guy I gave one to? And he says, man, I was so scared, you know, that you'd be mad if I lost it, mad if I wasted it. So, I hid it in the ground, I dug a hole, I hid it in the ground, and um, so here it is, but I don't have any more. And man, he rips into this guy. He says, man, you wicked, you stupid servant, like what are you doing? I gave you this to, to invest, I gave you this to use, and you didn't use it at all, you wasted it. You wasted what I gave you. And I think this is a glimpse into what comes next. Jesus is gonna return and he's gonna say, all right guys, what'd you do? Like, what'd you do with what I gave you? He has empowered us, and he has called us to serve the marginalized people in our society, to serve our neighbors. And he's going to come back and say, man, did you do what I called you to do? Did you serve these people? Did you help these people? Did you use the gifts and the talents that I've given you in your life to help those around you? He's going to say, what have you done with what I have given you? Are we going to be able to be like the first two Say, look, Jesus, look, here's all the things that I've done. You've empowered me with these talents and with these gifts and with these graces, and I use those for your glory. I use those for your kingdom. I use those to advance your message. 
Or are we going to be like that third servant and are we going to say, I'm sorry, Jesus, I wasted it. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to do it. So I hid what I had. I hid the talents and the graces that you gave me. I hid it in the ground so that it wouldn't, nothing would happen to it. And what's Jesus going to say? He's going he's to separate like the sheep and the goat. And he's going to say, man, you guys did really good. You used what I gave you. And then he's going to look and he's like, why did you guys waste what I've given you? And maybe for some of us, that's us today. Maybe for some of us, we, we are here and we're saying, man, I've wasted it, right? Like, I have wasted my time, I've wasted my gifts, I've wasted what God has given me in my life. Well, I have good news because you guys that feel that way are different than this final servant in this parable. Because in the final, in that parable, that final servant, his master had returned. His master was ready to see. But guess what? Jesus hasn't come back yet. You still have time to use the gifts and talents and graces that God has given you. And if you feel like you've buried that today and you've wasted what God has given you, man, go grab a shovel and dig it up. I don't know what to tell you. Like, go do something with what God has given you because it's not too late to do it. Right? It's not too late to use what God has given you. It's not too late to invest your gifts into the kingdom. And it's not too late to be a window into this age to come. And so as we get ready to close this morning, I know I've talked a lot about what we're called to do. You know, we're called to do all these things. And that's good to have stuff to go do when we leave here. But also it might seem a little overwhelming. If you're somebody who has hidden your talents, if you're somebody who has not lived into who God has called you to be, it can seem overwhelming to all of a sudden be called to, to, to live this kind of life. And if you feel that way, if you feel like you don't know where to go, you don't know what to do, this is no better place to be than here. Because here you're invited into community. And you're invited into multiple communities. One, here at Bentonville Community Church, you're invited into a community of people who love you and who care about you and who want the best for you. But you're also invited into this community with Jesus. Jesus wants to walk with you. He wants to be with you through this season and through your life. He wants to meet you where you are and bring you to where he wants you to be. He wants to meet you you know, digging that hole to get your talents, but then he also wants to help you use those talents for his glory. And you don't have to do it alone. He wants to help you be a window for the world to see the new age. And if we put our trust in Jesus today, if we fully commit our lives to Jesus today and what Jesus wants to do through us and through our lives, I promise everything else will come. It'll be easier to do all those things when we say, Jesus, it's all for you. I trust in you. I give it all to you. Tell me what to do. Tell me how to live, God. It's, it's up to you to tell me how to live my life. I'm giving you everything. And that can be hard to do, right? Because we've messed up our lives. We've messed up. We've, we've dug a hole. We've put what God has given us. But not only that, but we've, in our life, we've sinned and we've sinned and we've sinned. It can be hard to all of a sudden make that change and change direction and start living this life. But I want to read uh, one more part of our passage from Revelation. It's in that last verse, verse 6, and we read this. We read, it is done. And in other translations, this reads to it is finished. 
It is finished. These were some of the last words that Jesus spoke on the cross. Jesus is being hung up to die for your sins, to die for our sins, to die for this world so that we have a place later on. Jesus dies for us and he says, it is finished. This is a sign of his grace in our lives. Jesus cares for us. Jesus loves us. I mean, Jesus wants the best for us. He wants to use what he's given us so that we can love him better, that we can serve his kingdom better, and we can bring this new age here today. We don't have to be perfect because Jesus wants to meet us where we are and bring us to where he wants us to be. We just have to trust in him, and these other things will come. When we walk with Jesus and we talk with Jesus, we start to pick up on things that Jesus does. We start to live like Jesus does. It'll be more, it'll be less of what we do and it'll be more of who we are as Christians. When we commit to Jesus, his life, his habits start to become habits of our own. But remember, if we want to pick up new habits, we have to let go of the old ones. What is God calling you to today? What is he calling you to leave behind in order to pick up these new habits of the new age to come? These are habits that we're called to live into in order to bring the new age here today to to feed the hungry, to give drink to the thirsty, to welcome the, uh, the stranger. We're called to clothe the naked and to visit the sick in the prison. These are things we are called to do today, but we might have to give up old habits and bad habits to do that. So what is that for you today? These marginalized people in our life that we sometimes we choose to ignore. Maybe it's as small as this when you drive up to a stoplight. Don't pull up just far enough to where you don't see the homeless person out of the corner of your eye. Maybe it's not judging people that you see homeless, hungry, thirsty. Maybe it's not judging them. Oh, well, they're just going to spend money on drugs. They're just going to spend money on alcohol. Because guess what? Jesus had unrelentless grace for us. So who are we to hold back for others? I mean, Jesus has provenient grace in our lives, right? We're going to sin again, but Jesus died for those sins that are to come. So who are we to hold back grace for others because of what they might do in their life? We are called to, to love people and love God with all we have. So who is God calling you to be today? Who, what are you called to do today? And how can you use those gifts and those talents that God has given you to be a window into this new age to come? So as we get ready to worship, I pray that you'll stand with us and worship and talk to God. Pray to God, what does he want for you today? Are your gifts dug in a hole? Do you need to get them out and use them for God's kingdom? Talk to Jesus. He wants to help you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to be with you through it all. Just trust in him. Love him. Learn to love God and love others better in your life today and all the other things will come. Follow the habits of the age to come and live in them today. Thank you.